Hey, hey, welcome. I am Dwayne. And I am Jennifer, and this is the Dwayne and Jennifer Show. Hey, man, we love to talk about all things pertaining to people, yep. human beings, the inner workings, and we're super <laughs> excited today because we have a guest. We do. We have a guest. We have our dear friend, Zoe Lilly, and we're going to be talk, continuing our discussion about emotional health and all kinds of things related to counseling and getting free and walking out our lives before So the I'm Lord. positive you'll enjoy this. Stick around. Yeah. All right, guys. So we're super excited to have um, uh, a friend of ours, uh, Zoe Lilly. And so, Zoe, just introduce yourself how you would introduce yourself to your, your like anybody in Brazil. Wait, just- wait, wait. I want to interrupt. I want to say that I love Zoe. I love her depth of character. I, you've been such a loyal friend to us. You are such a holistic person. It's kind of unbelievable. Like you're an author, you're a worship leader, you're a preacher, you're an artist, you continue your studies. Like you're, you're so not one dimensional, you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. And so, um, and like when we say artist, like a real artist, yeah, not yeah, yeah. just doodling on the side, not just quote unquote prophetic art that no one can actually evaluate. Like <laughs> you get money for the art that you sell, which is awesome. And, oh, and you're like this cooking extraordinaire and you have a YouTube channel about, I mean, you're just, you're amazing <laughs> and you're our friend and we love you. Thank you. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's really hard to say a little bit about who I am because I do a lot of things. And thank you. And I love you guys. I'm so, so happy to be here at this podcast. And you guys are so special to us as our family to us. And um, I, I think I would I would um, define myself right now at this moment in life because things change all the time in my life but right now I would say that I'm a creative person and that is seeking to help people find their healing so I guess that's that's who I am right now in this moment so um I use what I I use creativity to help others and yes and so you and so you're studying right now Jennifer so she's in Brazil, just FYI, people. She's an incredible friend of ours in Brazil. And so you're, you, you're studying right now. So what are you studying? I'm studying right now psychoanalysis, which is one of the, I would say, one of the, of, uh, a type of psychology, but it's not psychology. It's only one part of psychology, but it's a specific one. And that's what right now I'm studying. I'm going to go and for, uh, further on study other things about, you know, mental health and men- mental issues and all that neuroscience. And but right now I'm finishing psychoanalysis. So I'm going to be officially a psychoanalysis in two months. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what what got you into that? Why are you interested in this, particularly, you know, psychology and psych? What got you into it? Well, um, being a pastor in church and not only being a pastor, but leading people for the past 20 years, I found myself without um, vocabulary and also specific tools to help certain people. So the reason why I got into studying this was because I was like, I need to find ways that I can understand people in a better way and also help them to find their healing that sometimes is not spiritual because sometimes Mm -hmm. we all put that in the same place, something that's mental and spiritual. And there is this difference that a lot of us as Christians don't seem to see right through, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like we, we tend to um, say, Oh, that's the devil. We all think that everything that's bad is from the, from the devil. And yes, he uses all of that for what he wants to use for the, for the, for the bad things, you know, in our lives, but not everything is from the devil. A lot of it has to do with our mindset, the way we think, the way we perceive Mm -hmm. life, the way we interpret life. And actually that causes more problems in our lives than the demons, you know? Yeah. 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 Demons. You can just 
tell them, you know, in Jesus' name, leave, and they will be cast out, right? There's power right. in Jesus' name. Right. It's interesting because I think as the church, there's been a lot of um, thoughts that counseling is not trusting God, that having experiencing negative emotions is lack of faith. And we haven't really taken seriously the impact of one, we live in a fallen world. Two, the, the, our family of origin, there's often trauma and brokenness. And we, we've segregated that whole realm outside of the church when Jesus actually wants to restore our soul. And, and so I love that you're going on this journey to get more tools. And so your very desire to do this is actually a pastoral desire. It's, I need to help people. I want to help people. I want to partner with the Lord and see them restored, which I think is beautiful. And it, it and therefore it becomes holy. Mm-hmm. And it's very exciting and yet scary because it is a, a territory in which I wasn't used to yeah. um, being around. I, and like mental health issues have just escalated since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right now we have more than, I would say, out of five people, three people are dealing with anxiety. And out of five people, one person is having an, a panic attack regularly, you know, like once a week or once a wow. month. So we're talking about a society that really does not know how to deal with emotions, you know, mm-hmm. really don't know how to deal with their soul issues and their mental issues. And it's been it's become something very prominent in the church especially because of course society yeah. is within the church and a lot of pastors and leaders don't have wording for that they don't know they don't have tools for that they don't know how to help somebody during that crisis they just pray which i would not say just because prayer is amazing and it's very necessary but they are limited in somewhat and, and how to really help that person understand that there is a spiritual part in it. But after we pray, what are you going to do about it? Like, yeah, what's, yeah. what's your role, you know? And so tell us to just, you know, you, whatever you want of your story, but just tell us a little bit of story. And then some of your uh, healing, some of your restoration. And, you know, you can tell us whatever part of your story you want, but just... What have been some of your steps to get breakthrough? What have been some of your steps where you see healing that has transitioned you into correct thinking, actions, and even responses to situations? Well, I I had depression for several years in my life, and I did not know what it was until I was diagnosed with it. I always thought it was just my personality, and I had just had a battle with it. I had a lot of... Um, issue the spirit of death and always wanting to take my life when I was a teenager. And I didn't want to take my life. It was just like this thing was always like coming into my mind, you know, nothing really bad had happened. So a lot of people think that depression comes from a trauma. Well, it did come from a trauma in my life, which happened when I was five years old, when my father abandoned us, my brother and my mom and I, And I had not dealt with it. And at that kind of surfaced again during my teenage years, there's some eating disorders and a lot of other things that that I had to go through. But I wasn't aware and nobody was really aware of those things back back in the day. That was like in the late 90s and early early 2000s. That's when I was dealing with all of this. So I I started doing a therapy because my mom was helping me with through that. My mom was is my hero because she helped me through everything. And um, dur- during therapy, I started to understand how much, you know, my story as a child affects my life today. There's mm-hmm. a saying in Portuguese that people say is that our childhood is the floor or it's the ground in which we will step on for the rest of our lives. So that is something that people are very unaware. And that's why we go through so many crises in life and we blame our circumstances, which have, which has very little to do 
with what really is going on. So I went through depression. I had depression for seven years. And only about um, four years ago, I went, I did a DNA testing about my whole, like, it's just like mapping my DNA to see what I could eat, what I'm allergic to. And they found out that my brain does not produce serotonin. Oh my gosh. Yes. Seriously. My brain does not produce that. And I had no idea. And today I live without medication. Yeah. (laughs) I live without medication for already um, 20 years. I'm healed for 20 years now, but I still don't produce <laughs> serotonin. So it's really like a supernatural um, yeah. healing in my life because it was physical too. But I did take medication for seven years and I did seek help. And that is something that people need to understand that they're, you're not weak because you're seeking help. You're not, you're not like lost or you're not a good Christian or you don't have enough faith because you're going to therapy. And I just believe that dealing with depression is a, I would say it's a three, uh, it's like a combo of three things, you know, being, being set free in your spirit and actually living what God has for your life and having your inner man really strengthened. Second thing is taking care of the issues of your soul and your mindset. And third, going to the doctor to see if something's up. And maybe you need medication. I always say that depression or anxiety or any mental issue is always, we got to take care of those three parts of us. We can't just be only in the taking medicine or just doing therapy or Mm -hmm. just praying a lot and fasting. You know, it's like a combo of everything. So Mm -hmm. today I, I am, I'm so, so like grateful and I'm just humbled, you know, that I'm here today and that I'm alive and that I can help people who go through this every week, every single week. I help people who are going through what I've been through and even way worse than I've ever been through. And um, it's just amazing to see how, how God is like, he is always, always willing to redeem. He is always willing to set Mm -hmm. you back on course and give you that abundant life, you know. Mm-hmm. Come on, I so love that. Out of so your father leaves, um, and so if you don't mind me asking, what were like the big the big boulders that that just impacted you? Was it rejection? Was it what were those that you can identify today as this was like one of the major points that that had? Um, I would say. Rejection is one of the main issues any human being needs to be healed of. It's, it's actually, I mean, it's a phenomenal <laughs> yeah. point. Out of, yeah. <laughs> so I think even like when you look at a brain, this is very interesting. When you look at a brain of a child that has been abandoned compared to a child who has been raped, which I think is like horrible, both situations, of course. But I would always think that being raped was way worse than being abandoned. But being abandoned, the brain of the person of the child that was abandoned, it shrinks in size. It becomes darker, has like these dark spots. I'm talking about like if you do uh, an exam, right, with your brain, and um, the and the person that suffered abuse sometimes she just has some consequences but not as much as an abandonment issue you know abandonment is is by far the worst thing that can happen to somebody and i'm talking scientifically speaking yeah. and no wonder when jesus died you know that was the last thing he was telling god you know yeah. why have you abandoned me And I just feel like Jesus Christ, you know, he died on that cross so that we would never, you know, he Mm. carried all that abandonment so that we could be set free from this. And when I'm talking about restoration in somebody's life, it is not only spiritual or or emotional, but it's also physical because it really affects your brain, you know. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so I had a lot of I had a lot of rejection issues. That was one of the main points. And um, when we don't have those things dealt with, we will repeat patterns in our lives. Right. So I wasn't, I wasn't healed because of that. So I would always like kind of like 
somebody or want to be friends with somebody that would eventually reject me. And it was like, I always picked that person Hmm. or I was always, I would always be in a position in school or in a situation in which I was left out in which I felt like I wasn't good enough. And it had little to do with that situation. So a lot of people go through bullying, go through rejection in relationships and the root is way deeper than those mm-hmm. circumstances, you know? And mm-hmm. actually this last week I was in therapy because I, I go to school for psychoanalysis, but I go through psychoanalysis every week too. So I, I also am going through treatment as I teach, as I, sorry, as I learn, I'm also a patient, you know, yeah. it's very fun. And I found out something I didn't know because the day my father left us, um, He was being very violent with my mother and my brother and I, we hid in the bedroom and she was almost dying. It was like, it was like one of those really bad scenes. And, um, and then when we were talking about my life story, I had forgotten about that situation in which I was hiding in the bedroom. Like we were sitting down on the ground in the little corner in between the beds and And then I just started to see how many times I have hid myself in life, you know, and how many times I would hide myself from situations in which I would feel exposed or that people would see me. So I would sabotage everything that had to do with being in public, being in front of people, talking about my situation. I would hide myself in my clothes. I would hide myself eating a lot. And all of that, it was a, just a protection that mm. I was trying to build, you know, that yep. only God, you know, mm. he, he knows that I, I can't protect myself from him, that he's there and that he's the one who's protecting me, you know? Yeah. So um, the, I think one of my biggest issues was very low self-esteem mm-hmm. and hiding myself, feeling like I wasn't part of anybody, like I didn't belong and and today i find myself like belonging without having people around which is very different belonging mm. when there's nobody there totally and that's when you understand the whole concept of belonging right hmm. so that's beautiful. sorry i'm talking too much no no, no it's no. so good you're we're we're here to can listen. i ask a question before you say something fine fine okay he's gonna sit silent and cover his head um Zoe, what, how would you define abandonment? Oh, I would say it's the way a child interprets abandonment because some kids feel abandoned and they were never abandoned. That's Mm. very interesting. So a lot comes to our um, interpretation. So like, that's why sometimes you see siblings who person is super healthy mentally and the other person is not healthy at all. And you're like, what was wrong with, what's wrong with this kid, you know? <laughs> what's wrong with this mother? Did she love that one better than the other one, you know? And that's not, that's not how it works. It works how we interpret things. So I always talk about, like, this is a cell phone, you know? And there are several parts of it. There are, like, four sides of it. And I can look at life only looking at one side and mm-hmm. think that's it, you know? So sometimes kids feel abandoned because parents are too busy. Parents aren't around. Um, leaving your child crying in the crib because you want to teach them how to sleep on their own <laughs> is not a good idea because that really makes it feel like it's abandonment for that baby, you know? Um, not listening to them when they're talking. You can always tell them to talk later. That's what my teacher says. You can always tell a child to wait a minute for them to speak, but telling them that, or just ignoring them. Like I see parents say, oh, we just ignore bad bad behavior. That is a really bad technique because (laughs) first of all, they're going to keep doing the bad behavior because eventually they will want your attention. So abandonment can come from things like I've been through, which was my father literally leaving. I haven't seen him for 30, uh, 
34 years now. I haven't seen my father. It's been 34 years. And, but it also can be just a parent dying or someone that you really loved that just died absence. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's really down to how, how that person. That's interesting because you're, you're saying it's subjective to the experience of the individual. And so I appreciate that, but also it's terrifying, <laughs> you know, as, as a parent or as a leader, because, whoa, you don't know how someone is experiencing something. So I think that's a, that's an interesting way to describe it. Sorry, go on. So darling. can I ask a question now? Yeah. Oh, big boy here wants to talk. So I'm going to let him talk. now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you ident like, um, we're we're using the language or just like testimony versus getting in touch with your you know your story and so i really like that what is my story language because it's it's um it's just more you're looking holistically not just those moments when when there's the lord did something in our lives when you got saved specifically so what what do you so what happened like you identify now an experience and the impact of the experience and then what is the next step after that when you identify this has misshaped me and misformed me in my formation as a, as, you know, into a now adult. And now that experience actually impacts my decisions today. So what do you do when, with, what's the next step that you do or you understand? So that's, that's the golden question that everybody asks me and that, and I'm just going to translate it to just, it's a lot of hard work. But I'm going to give you some practical steps when you find out, okay, so I've been hiding for so long, you know, yeah. first you need to, you need to say goodbye, right? I would say you need to say farewell, not farewell, like bye forever to that child that is still desiring that protection or that acceptance or that love. You have to be conscious of when you do certain things. So, for example, I need to be conscious of when I start hiding myself again, when I, I have to I have to know myself. People don't know themselves. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Israel and I, my husband, Israel, we we have a course in which we have a lot of students in which we just t- teach self-knowledge. People don't have self-awareness. They don't know mm-hmm. what's going on in their hearts. They don't know why they feel sad out of the blue. They don't know why they feel intimidated by certain personalities, why they are super anxious about what people think or where they're, they're super anxious, whether they're going to have money or not. So everybody has an issue. Mm-hmm. So when you start, when you identify, hey, this is where it all started. It's it's 50% already because yeah. your brings brings from this. It kind of brings from the subconscious to your sub to your conscious level what yep. you're doing because a lot of us we're doing stuff that we don't know why we're doing you know so that's see that's number one you uh, you observing yourself and seeing when you tend to fail so when mm-hmm. do you tend to go this direction and then putting safe measures or guidelines so you don't do that again second mm-hmm. of all is actually working your mindset is actually understanding why you're in that position still as an adult and saying, God, what do you think? What are What is your truth in regards to this lie that I believe? Yeah. So all of us, we believe things as if they were truths, but they're lies. For example, I am not good enough or I am alone. We actually believe those things, mm-hmm. even though we say with our mouths, oh, God, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Even though we say this with our mouths, we are thinking, we're thinking the opposite all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to find out when that system of beliefs began. So when did it begin? You know, when did you think that God wasn't enough? And it usually ends up in a story in our lives. So for example, Mm. I felt like God wasn't enough, you know, not my case. I'm just going to, I never had that issue. I've had other issues, but I see, but for example, I felt like God wasn't enough when I had a miscarriage. That's what women think. 
You know, I felt like God was enough when I prayed for my my dad to be healed from cancer and he he wasn't healed. Mm -hmm. So we need to go back to those places where we said this is the truth Mm -hmm. and we need to like release it to the Lord, release our anger. Um, A lot of people say that lack of forgiveness is the worst enemy of all. But right now, the more I study, it's our anger. Our anger is the worst thing of all, the worst enemy of all. It is the root of every bitterness, of every <laughs> insecurity, mm-hmm. because that's how child a child relates to frustration. Gets frustrated, mm-hmm. he has anger. And mm-hmm. Christians don't think anger, they don't have anger. They think, oh, no, but I've forgiven that person. But you, your inner child is still angry. And mm-hmm. you need to release that, you know, you need mm-hmm. to let go of that. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you just a, a question thinking of, you know, you're hearing a lot of stories and, and anyone in ministry has been hearing lots of stories and now you're getting really honed in to people's stories. And so the, the exposure, although it's a privilege to walk with the Lord in people's stories, but the, the repeated exposure to people's trauma how do you come home and be at peace? Like, you know what I mean? Yes, I know. I didn't know how to use it. I didn't know how to do this. But now my teach, one of my teachers, my professors, he has taught me so much. He has told me, you know, you have to understand what is the person's work and what is your personal work. Yeah. You have to understand what is God's work and what is your work, you know? So um, I always leave uh, a session now, a therapy session now, releasing that because I can't, I, I am not, I'm not the savior of the world, Jesus is, you know? Mm. I'm not able to heal people unless they wanna be healed. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 was, I used to be like the mother, like that, motherly bear, you know, like taking care of everybody, you know, and today I have thankfully matured (laughs) and understood (laughs) that there are things I cannot do for others that Mm -hmm. they have to do for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that main thing is changing their way they think. So I hope that person get to that point through questions. We as pastors, we don't know how to make questions. Mm -hmm. We like giving advice. Absolutely. That is one. (laughs) And that's one of the hardest things because it gives you bad results. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you know how to make a good question, you will make that person understand and be empowered to change. But when you are constantly telling people what to do, you're responsible for their change. Right. Excellent point. I I have um, not misplaced. I have taken myself from that position of changing things. And I have put myself in a position of asking the Holy Spirit and change. That's excellent. Um, uh, I got a question. So um, let's say that I, you know, I'm just give some examples, but. I have relational conflict in my marriage and the traditional, not your story, right? Not my story, (laughs) but the, you know, just, well, you got to work on your communication skills, you know, so we want to address, we want to address the, you know, these certain things, but it's not only in my marriage, it's also at work. I've got relational Mm -hmm. conflict and I respond this way. Um, And so like, you know, so often we have these 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 issues, and I'm just seeing even with you a little bit. My eyes are being opened more and more to that that place in my soul where where I've been misformed and misshaped, and I I respond and react out of my foundational formation. And so, but I but it's not my I don't get it. And so maybe I'm emotionally really shut down in some areas. And this I think is. I don't know, but the general observation, this is more of a guy problem where we're not so in touch with our emotions, at least some of the guys, some of the men. And so what are those initial steps? Like you're saying, it's it's like central is to understand and know yourself. But um, 
what would be some initial like oh i gotta i notify that because to me the subconscious we were just talking about how much those things so what are those kind of first steps in really understanding why you do what you do yes i think under i know it's very uh very practical little steps but like these personalities tests enneagram or like knowing your your personality um writing down your story and and looking at things that you do that you don't like right Mm -hmm. or that people around you don't like (laughs) so for example sometimes i i love matthew 7 in which you know jesus is so like he's like you know you're talking about like the law you're like you're talking about the speck in your brother's eyes, but there's like a freaking tree coming out of your eye, you know? What? And totally. a lot of us, we don't ever stop to look at, at our part, you know? So, for example, oh, I was hurt at church. Instead of blaming somebody, the way you can know yourself is, why did I put myself in that position? Or how did I react? Or how much did I expect from that person? Or why did I get so disappointed? Or mm-hmm. why why would why did I stay there that long mm-hmm. with that person doing that to me? You know, so being aware of those things, why didn't I notice that that person was being a liar? You know, all those questions we need to make ourselves because usually we already have the answers. You know, so. Um, why did I, for example, myself, why did I date that person? Like he was a horrible boyfriend. He betrayed me. Why did I put myself in that position? Instead of saying, see what he did? Such a horrible guy. Look at that guy, what he did to me. You know, today I look at myself and I'm like, I put myself there. I was attracted to something I didn't deserve. And why did I stay there? Even seeing that he wasn't good for me. Usually the answer is like, because I actually thought I deserved that because we only accept accept what we think we deserve. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of those questions we have to do to ourselves. Being in relationships, not not like a romantic relationship, I would just be saying like having a mother or father or peers at work or at church, um, having a leader, that will bring out a lot in us that we have to pay attention so um, I always say the answers all are within my clients. They're not within me. <laughs> he knows all the answers. I'm just helping him find out what they are, you know? Mm-hmm. That's huge. That's I love huge. that. So it's really a series of questions that we should be asking ourselves. Why, why did that cause such a visceral response in my body? Why, why am I angry right now? And... Why am I in this position? Why does it seem like history is repeating itself? So those types of questions and, and to sit and listen and look within under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So everyone can become, not that I'm, I'm, I'm pro-counseling, but not everyone can afford it. You know, honestly, there's, especially here in the States, it's a very prohibitive thing, very, very expensive. Sometimes people can, sometimes people can't. But if Jesus is the great counselor, which he says, we have the Holy Spirit, we really can do some some work ourselves. W- would you agree with that statement? Yes. But I also believe that um, sometimes we can't, we even see the Holy Spirit through our lens if we're not mature spiritually. So that's why we need the body of Christ. So you don't necessarily need to be in therapy because it is expensive, but it's very good for you to read about things that are um, related to whatever issue you're going through and also having peers and conversation with people who are wiser than you because that will bring out the things we don't see. So I would say that's why we always have to live in the body and being unity and in unity so we can understand each other and help each other. No, that's an excellent point. I'm glad that you hit that because I absolutely believe that. And you believe in counseling. Uh, Yeah. And I, I, but more than, more than all of that, 
it's, I think, detrimental for someone to pull themselves out of relationships with a healthy community in the name of, I need to get myself together before I enter back in. When the truth is, we're going to get ourselves together in the midst of a healthy community and we need one another and it's just essential. We can't be isolated in our process that often is messy. Yes, right on. So, so one way that I've been looking at this whole conversation is I'm just, you know, those Greeks, they messed us up big time and they really, my family background is Greek. Your people, they messed us up and they gave us really this secular, secular understanding of our lives basically, and really breaking up our lives into different compartments. But I'm really, you know, it's more of the Jewish thought that we are external and internal. We're physical and we're inner. And we're physical and we're spiritual. And so we're really made up of, you know, so in the next age, we'll have resurrected bodies and and our, and then there's just our inner man, which is our spirit and then our soul and all of this. So I'm really intrigued by that topic. But in that, to me, when we, so everything is holy to the Lord. And we actually talked about this at our church on Sunday. Everything's holy to the Lord. And so um, our spirit is not any more important than our soul. It's all holy. It's all created by God. And it's we're created in our soul to experience God and to experience his creation. And so to me, it is the it's the um penalty of sin brings the negative spectrum of emotions is kind of how one way I've been looking at it. And so I've been looking at this though is is working through issues of my soul as an a central part of my discipleship. Yes. Because it drives my decisions and why I choose to sin or why I choose godly responses even. And so I'm putting this under the category of discipleship and, and it's part of my it's part of how I'm wanting even to disciple others is to help them understand their story and and i'm just seeing this more like my eyes just even more and more of being this this central thing of why i do what i do and and in it there's this place where i do turn to the lord at every occasion ask him so um but in that a question i would have is you know, it's the same in Brazil, the inner healing journey. So there's, you know, several different ministries um, that would, we, you know, what we call inner healing. And there's different approaches, different ideas. So can you speak to the differences of inner healing and then what your, what your studies are? And is there any connection points or is it two very different topics even? Because you know, I've always struggled a little bit with where, because inner healing to me seems to be incomplete in fully get me up and walking. Can you just speak into those two? Yes, that's such a good question. Um, inner healing is very related to psychoanalysis, but with a very limited viewpoint, which I would call the sozo, um, sozo process or they call the Sozo method, which I really think is wonderful and which I used to use a lot and before I started studying. But today I understand that a lot of things are very hard when that person does not have a healthy relationship with God. So, for yeah. example, if I do a session of inner healing with somebody who is angry at God, it's very hard for them to find God in their story. They, they're not going to see him in that story. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the inner healing is trying to find God in the stories that we have lived. But sometimes we are so imprisoned with pain and anger that we can't see God. So a lot of people leave the sessions feeling very frustrated because they thought that if they had that sozo session or if they had that inner healing session, that they would leave there completely changed or healed. But healing is a process, especially when you have been thinking. I would say that I love Romans 12 because it's all about having, you know, our mindset transformed. So Mm -hmm. a lot of us aren't healed because we don't change the way we think and not because we don't see God in our story. 
So I think sozo or inner healing is is absolutely necessary in the church, mm-hmm. and it's a very crucial first step for somebody to find their healing. But many times, I wouldn't say many times, but sometimes it won't be enough for certain people that have mm-hmm. gone through certain traumas, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, you would have to go through more than one session, which is very different from deliverance because mm-hmm. deliverance is immediate effect. Yeah. So yeah. after you you go through deliverance, you will be set free. And it's yeah. amazing. I love how Jesus works, you know? And like we're set free from all our bondage, from all our sin. And that's amazing from our demons and all that. But our mindset needs to change. And Sozo is very good. And I and I still use it as a technique. But I find I used to find myself very limited with people who hated God. That's like mm. a really I'd, I know it's heavy. <laughs> but I'm saying, I mean, but it's real. But I have yeah. a lot of people that come and they blame God for everything. Mm-hmm. And and then you have to and you have to work with that, and it takes a while because it's a lot of things that I don't think scientifically people who are doing inner healing are aware of. And also another situ another thing is that I study mental diseases and mental issues and mental um, I don't know how to say this in English um, pathologies. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, and that you have to have discernment because mm-hmm. a lot of people are treating people in the church as if they were normal, but they just need medicine. You uh-huh. Know? Uh-huh. And we think they're they're like, oh, you have to go through inner healing. No, they just need a little bit of medicine and they'll be okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this would be a question that I would have um, that would actually per- maybe pertain to a little bit of my story. I'm not quite sure. Uh because I haven't been psychoanalyzed. (laughs) So, but, um, so let's say there was abandonment and then you're saying that it, it, it it impacts us physically, i.e. our brain is impacted by that. And so is that then a permanent state in like physically in our brain? Or is there this place of bringing life when I get, when I have some breakthrough, is there this place of life even in my physical brain? How does, do you know anything on that? It depends. Cause like, it's like you're talking to a doctor, you know, but God is the doctor. <laughs> like the thing is like, there are certain brains that are just damaged and, and I don't, and not necessarily is going to, it, we need a miracle. Like I'm talking about a physical mm-hmm. miracle. Mm-hmm. But there are also other things that we would say the neuropath pathways in our brain that sh- surely can be restored. And that's one of the methods I'm learning and that I'm using in clients is actually accessing their subconscious level and and taking them out of these neural ways, these neural pathways that we use to think about certain things. For example, every time you see a yellow duck, you start crying or you want to leave. So we work through that to the point where your brain starts seeing the yellow duck in a different way. So that's completely possible. I had a client who every time he would see uh, a blonde lady, he would feel aroused, which is very something, especially sexual um, immorality and all that has a lot to do with mental issues. And now he looks at blonde women and he's completely normal. He doesn't feel anything but it was related to something in his life and his past so we can um bring new significant significant um meaning to the things that abandonment and what and how that affects your brain really need a miracle for that but we can always we have jesus who can heal us completely you know even absolutely no, I, I really believe that even physically there is in the brain that there's um that there's new pathways the Lord can literally heal and mend. Um I I just want you to talk um we don't have to go in depth on this, but your mother um is truly 
um, a woman that I have maybe the highest respect for in regards to women, like a, a woman. Like mm-hmm. I, I see your mom as a, a woman of vision, um, but uh, a woman of incredible elegance, like just how she holds herself, um, how she communicates, uh, incredibly intelligent, and then just a such a deep love for the Lord that's and profound. deep character. Deep character, my mm-hmm. gosh. And then, but I then I look at you and your brother and even how you guys have now prospering. Both of you are really stepping into some pretty incredible things as, as people. So your mother went through this, you know, even today you've said physical violence. And so just talk about your mom's journey because I am just... You guys, like those that are listening, her, you know, her mother, Pastor Sarah, is a a just an amazing woman, and I would put her in a very rare category very of rare. women. Very rare. Um, and every time I just, there's such elegance, and she's so tender, loving to everyone she meets. Um, just talk about your mom's story and what you've seen, choices she's made to become this woman. Yes. Well, my mother's my my hero, I would say in life <laughs> for everything she went through and for everything that she is and represents. And um, my mother married my father and had a very abusive relationship. And I would not say just verbal, but um, physical abuse for 11 years. She raised me and my brother after he left us all by herself. Nobody ever helped pay for anything. We really depended on God's provision for everything that we ever had. And my mother is super, like a great scholar, you know, she has so many degrees and she is about to turn 80 now in January and is still very active in church, active in everywhere she is, you know, and still studying again. So that's my mom. And what I've learned through her whole life story is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. That forgiveness is really what made her continue. A lot of us, we will go through things that are less worse than others. But if we don't know how to let go of our past, we will become bitter and we will eventually die inside, you know. Mm. And I would always see my mother, even as a kid, like people would do bad things to her, like even when my father had left or like despise us or tell us that, you know, put us down because we didn't have money or we didn't have the opportunities that the other kids had. And she would always be forgiving and just like, we're going to focus on what God is doing and what he's going to do for us. So I really believe that her faith, she never went to therapy. She did after she was grown up and all that. But like after she, after we were all grown up, I mean, but most of it, what helped her was just her faith and obedience to the word Mm -hmm. of God. You know, a lot of us Christians, we're trying to find things to get, and we find excuses not to do the basics, which is obeying (laughs) and forgiving and letting go. If God said we're supposed to turn the page, we're going to turn the page. If the Lord says us to forgive, we're going to forgive. And um, that's my mom. She's obedient. She never looks back. She always forgives and she never gives up. So it's, it's a privilege to be her daughter and an honor. And that's what I've learned from all these years, the fear of the Lord over her life. She always does what God wants her to do. And I think that brings us to a path of healing right away, you know? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I love that. I mean, no, her mom, you know, Pastor Sarah is just an amazing woman. And so, because I always even look at you guys, because in regards to even your guys' just your mother's faith in the area of finances, Mm because, you know, in Brazil, I think it is more difficult to kind of break through those economic status, you know, going, you know, and, and I see your family. Um, many times you guys in that you didn't have resources in a financial way, but yet to, she educated you incredibly well, which was very expensive. Those types of journeys that have really, you know, equipped you guys. And, and so I just, that, that faith, it just screams at me how she has given yes. herself to the Lord. 
and and did not uh, did not become a victim at all, mm-hmm. but found that grace in the Lord. So yeah, didn't let circumstances define her future nor you and your brother's future. Yeah. I I love that, and yeah. and even watching you, Zoe, just blossom. And, you know, there's, there's favor on you, obviously, you know, if people want to search you out, they can see, you know, all the things, but you have in, in my experience of you been a woman that's grounded yet reaching for the quote unquote impossible and believing for it to be possible. And so I love that you're in this field of study that you're in now because that, that gift of faith coupled with the tools that you're learning, that's a dynamic combination. And sometimes it's going to be a one and done deliverance, boom, set free, good to go. Other times you're giving people tools to reconstruct with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and then they actually get self-worth back in the process. And so I just, I love where you're at in life. I love what you're doing. I love how the Lord is using you. And I love that you're still leaning in, contending, and, you know, you're getting educated still. I love that. You're, you're part of a family of lifelong learners. 100%. And it's, it's awesome to see. We just really admire you and yes. love you and respect what the Lord is doing in you. You're an amazing woman. Thank you. That's true. And we love you guys, too. <laughs> I mean, I was a little bit jealous um, when the day um, you got, they spent some time together on a recent trip to, uh, to uh, Sao Paulo, the city that Zoe lives in. And, uh, and so you have an amazing husband who's incredibly just, he's, he's so tender. It's yes. just when you look at him, it's yes. such a servant. Yes. And I, I just, I don't know him real well, but he just, I think he loves well. It's just obvious. You can see that in him. He has a father's heart. He emulates the father very, very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anytime you're in the states, this is an open invitation. But we'd love for you guys to come and hang with us. Um, and then also, we're we're doing this little house thing where um, we're doing kind of church, and you know, we're just trying some different things. And just anytime, please come hang out. Love for you guys to be a part of our church, um, even our little experience. But Zoe, thank you so much for hanging with us. Yes. And just, um, and so what we're finding is Thank that people you. are, people are really, um, dialing into this because we just want to be honest and talk openly about life. And, and, uh, so we're just getting feedback in that area. So that's what you've done for us. So I'm super grateful. Thank you for joining us, friends. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. And thank you again. And we first sure are going to visit you guys Israel's getting his visa renewed tomorrow. So yes, we will be there eventually, probably next year or so. And we're ready. You and all everybody. Yes. Thank you for the invite. I love sharing about this topic. Come on. Thank you. We'll do it probably. I mean, once you get another degree, India, please come back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. All right. Ciao, my friend. Make sure give your give your uh Give your mom and uh, and uh, a hug from us. Tell them we love her. And Israel, big old bear hug. Yes, yes. Thank you. It was an honor to be here with you guys. Un beijo. <laughs> beijo. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.